How to take an offline community and build it up online. A great showcase coming up next. Hello, bonjour, and welcome to the Minto Dialogue radio show, show number 10. I am Minto Dialogue, host of this downloadable radio show, also known as a podcast. I'm author of the blog, The Mindset, T-H-E-M-Y-N-D-S-E-T. That's a .com, where you'll find the show notes for this interview. I also write en français on minterdial.fr. So here's an interview recorded with Rachel Weiss, who was recently promoted to Assistant VP of Digital and Interactive Marketing Professional Division of L'Oreal USA. In total disclosure, of course, I used to work at L'Oreal, and Redkin is a brand I totally love, and also happen to have the pleasure of running worldwide for three wonderful years back in the early part of 2000-2003. Uh, in this interview, we look at some of the magic behind what's been driving Redkin's successful interactive strategy. So, up close with Rachel, coming up now. Hello, this is Minter Dial from the Minter Dialogue Show, and I am in Paris on Saturday night, and we are live on Skype, and I have the distinct pleasure to have with me Rachel Weiss online, direct from New York. Rachel and I work together at Redkin. Rachel is the genius behind everything that's been going on with Redkin online. And so I'd like to ask Red, uh, Rachel, not Redkin, to uh, explain uh, what you're doing for L'Oreal and Redkin in particular, of course. Uh, introduce yourself uh, to the audience. So um, I'm Rachel Weiss, and hi, Minter. And I'm the Assistant Vice President now of uh, Digital Strategy and Interactive Marketing for um, L'Oreal Professional Products. So you're taking... And it's a new role that was uh, created this year, and I started in January. That's brilliant. Up, up until then, what were you doing, Rachel? Just explain. Um, and prior to that, I was the senior director of um, interactive marketing for Redkin and Purology Brands, both part of the professional products division for L'Oreal as well. All right. So let's talk about uh, the, the Redkin component because that's where you and I met and, and uh, I've been following closely. Talk about what, what you guys have been doing on Redkin to make it so successful and transferring what has been obviously a great community brand offline into the online. Yeah. I mean, when I started at Redkin, I started uh, three and a half years ago with the L'Oreal. I was new to the professional products industry. I actually come came from... Um, financial services and credit card marketing and it was uh, you know it was an interesting time at Redkin because they're definitely out of all the professional brands I think within the division and competitively Redkin was very much set up for success in the online space um, I came in where the team was launching a new a new website um, there was a lot of discussion about how to provide um, video on demand for professionals and then they were also in the midst of the big campaign promoting um, Shades EQ. And there was a, a lot of offline components surrounding the campaign. You know, my first day I was brought in, they asked, what can I do online? And so I really jumped in uh, to the fire. Um, it was really one of the first um, online B2B uh, communities where uh, stylists were asked to upload their uh, videos of why they did Shades EQ, use Shades EQ. And, you know, it was um, definitely a groundbreaking campaign, I think, online that really paved the way for a lot of things that started to happen over the next three years. Um, the other area, too, when I started, I was very excited about the, uh, the uh, future and the capabilities of what was happening in the social media space. And 
I was very hell-bent on my first week um, at Redkin to really start to uh, figure out how Facebook um, could be a partner for the brand. And that actually has become a big part of the strategy for um, Redkin over the last three years of how we can actually leverage. You know, when we when I started, I think it was maybe 80, um, you know, 80,000 people on Facebook in general, you know, five years ago. And now you're talking about a media channel for 500 million people worldwide. So, you know, actually being in the, the, the start of that and then moving moving with the space, I think it's been a great um, a, a great learning and also given us a, made us a bit of a head of the curve and um, how the digital space is just transforming in general. Right, so uh, Shade ZQ, of course, for the listeners is a... Uh a demi-permanent color line for hairdressers. And it brings up this point about social media and the B2B space because Redken, like the other brands in the professional area, are actually in this B2B to C space. And so how did you carve out or what, what was your thinking behind driving the social strategy when you have hairdressers to deal with and the customers of hairdressers to deal with, specifically with Shades EQ? Yeah, well, not even for Shades EQ. I mean, it's interesting because coming out of my background, you know, the B2B business was a very was definitely a learning curve for me because one thing that I've learned is that you know stylists are not sitting behind a, a desk all day surfing the web like you know I do and maybe you do mentor so it's like how can you make something that is new to them and out of their day-to-day existence make sense for them from a business perspective while also having them understand that this is how their customers and a, and a client is might be making a purchase decision or looking for information about what salons they want to go to. So the marriage of giving them the tools to um, provide information for their potential clients is always an interesting and creative uh, exercise that I think we, we in the digital space do every single day. So what concretely does that entail? What did you, what guy what have you put in place to help? Well, there's definitely Redkin one thing we launched, I think it was about a year and a half ago is something called My Business Toolbox. And My Business Toolbox is an online tool on redkin.com. You can go to the professional site and um, look under My Business Toolbox. And they're really tools and and lists to actually educate and have stylists use email marketing or even print offline tools to be able to drive loyalty and acquisition programs into their salon. So they can actually do a turnkey program with um, buying lists within their local area to actually have a, a, a third party for us send out postcards that are right branded with their own messaging and logo to actually acquire new clients into their salon. And that is an online tool that Redkin.com offers that's been a great success for us. Well, what I've always thought was brilliant about Redkin, I mean, a lot of brands talk about being client-centric, and in in the way that it works de facto for Redkin is that they help clients actually, or the hairdressers, to build their business. And so you put in place methods to help them to actually drive the business, like this uh, business toolbox you're putting in place. Now, if you talk about Facebook in particular, uh, I know that you guys have been doing a lot on Facebook. Can you talk to us about your initiatives to help them to drive their business through Facebook? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's, I think one of the things that at Redkin that makes us so successful is that 
we don't do our technology and interactive programs in a vacuum. Like anytime we launch something like my business toolbox or program with Facebook, you know, we have an integ- we have an integrated team, we have PR surrounding it, it's integrated in marketing promotions. It's not something that's just done in a digital vacuum. And I think, you know, what's interesting about Facebook is a lot of the time for the past three years since we started to launch our, our fan page and have sampling campaigns and and also started to, to teach um, salon professionals about how to use Facebook also as a tool because there's advertising functions on Facebook. You know, it's been really interesting because Facebook is also evolving all the time. So it's a combination of, of us understanding what Facebook has from a technology perspective to offer from a business select perspective that makes sense to our our stylist. So we have to be out in the field. We have to be playing with it ourselves. You know, we do our own consumer outreach on Facebook, which teaches us quite a bit of how then we can translate that to a B2B environment for salon professionals. So, you know, for me, it's not just about, it's not just about putting content on your fan page. There's so many more levels of how Facebook is a, is a tool that actually influences what people want and where they want to go and, and their loyalty to a brand or even a person like their, their stylist. All right, so if you look at the um, the Redken Facebook fan page, the official one for the U.S. anyway, you've got um, some 65,000 or so fans, right? Yes. And how are you uh, internally managing that? I mean, do you have like a specific target or how do you, t- you know, talk well, about you know, it? interesting place now is we have um, a new program that's launching this well, this week we're actually giving a Facebook toolkit to um, Red, to, to Redkin Salon professionals actually teaching them how, giving them templates through a company called Buddy Media where they can actually not only receive credits of um, for them to start playing around with Facebook as an advertising tool but to be able to actually understand how Facebook can be used as a as a promotional vehicle for them to find, you know, to promote themselves and their looks and their images and their hours and also just awareness of their own salons in their local areas. So it's, um, you know, Facebook, I think, is just constantly adding new features. And it's I feel like it's up to us at Redkin to figure out how that makes sense for our key objectives. You know, I think what I see some other marketers do, and it's always something that always baffles me, is that they were, they want Facebook to tell them how to run their business. And I do believe that within your, in the professional industry or whatever it is, you have to have a team and, and groups of people within your company who, who figure that out for yourselves. You've got to own your own, uh, Creative messaging a little bit more in strategy. Own your own destiny. I mean, there are probably yeah. some 100,000 different now service providers around the Facebook platform. So then you, how do you you know find your path through that? So talk about Buddy Media. What exactly does that mean? Uh, from a, from the Redkin or the L'Oreal standpoint, how, how does it work? You guys have to pay them a fee? Or tell us, talk, walk us through how that works from a business standpoint. Well, this is something we're just testing. I mean, I think what's always been interesting to me personally about Facebook is that they have the open development platform on it. So Facebook has begun to offer more kinds of ad units and programs that an advertiser can use, but you always have the ability to work around Facebook and go into Facebook on your own. So, you know, last year we launched programs called 10,000 Blondes or um, Do You Remember the 80s, which was really a vehicle for us to sample um, products for a um, anti-aging market without having to say, hey, old lady, but making it sort of fun in a Facebook environment. There was a quiz involved, and for 10,000 Blondes, we sampled a, a, a launch of a new blonde product line where women were asked to upload their own uh, 
their own images about being a blonde. And it was something that's fun. That's an experience that people are already used to doing on Facebook. But what's interesting about companies like Buddy Media is that they're also a developer who has actually worked very closely with Facebook. And there's another company, I think, there's another company called Vitry, which also have, owns quite a bit of the market space market as well, where they actually put a layer on top of your Facebook pages and allow you to create a much more personal experience for someone who's going to your Facebook brand page rather than just using the Facebook visual format that exists today. Mm-hmm. And we just, you know, we had a program that's launching this week um, with all of our brands that will be rolling out through all the, throughout all of the, uh, the year where we'll be testing different ways to give these tools to salons as part of what's called a Facebook toolkit. Just the way that you would give them uh, access access to um, a website platform. We're giving them access to a platform on Facebook that then they can use to um, brand themselves as another business opportunity and business business driver that I don't think is, is doing uh, any other salon, is, any other manufacturer is doing that today. Can you just explain the Vitry? How, how is that spelled? Um, V-I-T-R-U, I think. R-U. V-E. Are and they're you? just a competitor to Buddy Media. What's interesting is that what's really interesting about companies like this and in the area I think that we're with social media today, it's all been about content, 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 and then bits of advertising surrounding it. But now we have 65,000 you know, fans on a Redken page and fans on all of our other pages. How do we listen to them? How do we respond to them? How can we take what they're saying about our products and services in our salons and and actually help that and figure out how that's going to shape the transformation of our business and you know really creating a much more customer centric environment so giving these tools to our salons is not only a great way for our salons to promote themselves but we'll actually have access now to be able to listen to what people are saying in our their customers are saying about our products and services from you know a, a, tech, a, a tool that is has a technology I'm sorry technical center in it that we've never had that kind of insight before. Oh. So, oh, sorry, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Rachel. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. What are the tools that you use to listen to what's going on for online for for Redkin? Well, I think it's been very manual um, since we started to grow the page. So you know, in my new role, some of the, those are the kinds of questions I'm asking myself. Hmm. Like, what kind of tools? Because I think a listening tool and, and, and working with just L'Oreal in general is not something that needs to be brand specific. Mm-hmm. But there's all these players coming out in the space now, like a Radiant 6. Um, how do we work with customer service? Rather than just having that task on your, you know, your, your digital marketing intern, you know, I think there's a much more uh, high level and... and and turnkey solution for how that sp- how the space has evolved. I think we now all have brand fan pages. We have stylists on our pages. We have consumers on our pages. We, you know, they're talking, they're having conversations. But what's next? And I think that's something that you know, not just we need to figure out. I think that's something that's happening in the general space across all brands and companies. Well, and, and knowing you, Rachel, as I have, uh, part of the the bigger challenge has always been to brings digital media's importance into the senior management. So it brings up this this whole other point, which is what makes for the success in an organization like L'Oreal in the digital space? What How, I, how do you drive you that? Know, yeah, yeah, no, I think it's an interesting question. I mean, for me, it's like part of my job is always, no matter if I'm in digital strategy or working in a brand, you know, part of my job is uh, – figuring out what's next and how things work. And no one teaches you how to do that. Hmm. Uh, the, the, the next part is then how do you execute it? And does it make sense? And is it something you can actually 
facilitate and make happen, but I feel like 50% of my job is complete evangelism. I have to be excited, and I am excited every single day about what's happening in the in the technology and, and digital media space. And I just have to keep. I go on my roadshow and I talk and I get excited and I do presentations and I send emails. Oh my gosh, did you see this? And you know, for me, that kind of behavior and, and passion is really essential for for companies to get to get your senior managers on board and to get people excited about the space because. For me, being a digital marketer is not about it's not a nine to five job. It's a lifestyle mm-hmm. and it's a passion. And you can't accomplish things unless you get people who might be a little fearful of the technology, um, excited, and get them excited about the access, how about how accessible it can be, and not overcomplicate. You know what what it is because I think there's still a lot of fear because people don't understand it and they are afraid to say they they don't understand it so my job is to help them understand it and get them excited about it and be able to launch programs that show results and also be able to have the analytics behind it to show how something works and take the emotion out of it yeah well there's no doubt that if you can go to a manager and explain the ROI it it certainly has got to help but I mean concretely what do you do with with the senior bosses you know like why should I go on Facebook I'm really scared of it or you know, we have that meeting all the time. It's just, you know, I, I, I always like to give like personal examples on things about how I use Facebook and, 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 give, and give case studies from other companies, how they use Facebook. I mean, it's constantly researching and it becomes a bit of an academic exercise. And then it's also just showing success. I mean, you know, sampling products for us on Facebook has been a really great way just to build a database of loyal customers and, and be able to then to communicate to them repeatedly about what we're doing. So it's 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 thinking what your strategy is up front, which I think a lot of marketers don't always do. But if you can do that and then show the success of it, I think it does get people on board. And I definitely think we're at a we're at a point with Facebook um, and and just Twitter and general social media channels about what's the balance between pushing out content and driving fans and then what do you do with those fans and, and how do you actually create them into actionable profitable customers. I'm not quite sure we've figured that out yet. Yeah, there's this whole story between quality and quantity. Do we do we need 100,000 fans or do we want 20,000 that share and, and retweet and and like all the time? I mean, so that that's really the thing that we're trying to figure out in terms of the ROI. You need to find the 20,000 influencers. You need to find the people who are excited. But, you know, then, then how many of those transform into sales? There's still no magic solution for that, right? Yeah, and what's interesting, you talk about a company like Buddy Media or Radiant 6 or, you know, how do you reorganize your organization into being able to deal with this? I mean, those are really interesting conversations. And I think that part of it is the fact that these conversations are happening are, are very um, exciting to me. But I think, you know, it's also part of our job is like every day there's something new that happens. And I don't know the, all the answers. And I think it's okay for people to say that, but a lot of it's asking questions. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. And uh, and then, the, you know, the opportunity to, to do things, try things, fail, and and then come back. Yeah, but I think that's an interesting point, Mentor, because failure is such a part of what we do. And, you know, it depends on your, your company. Failure sometimes is not an accepted part of corporate culture. So how can you, in, you know, integrate failure into a, a corporate culture where people don't like to talk about failure? Because failure for me in the digital space isn't about let's not do this again. It's about how sometimes we can make this better or how is the part of technology change that this will work better? What did we learn from that failure? And I think, you know, a lot of times people fail and they just want to sort of swipe it under the rug. <laughs> 
That's part of marketing sometimes. All right. So now, um, 2011 is is now well underway. What do you think of the what's what's what are the uh, what does 2011 hold in store for us? Um, I think you know, for me, it's a this digital listening aspect. Um, a second part that I think is so important for our industry is what are our mobile roadmaps, mm-hmm. and how are we prepared in the next two years to have mobile tools and translate all the things we've done on our websites into a meaningful mobile environment. I mean, I think it's really exciting for me because you have stylists who are behind the chair and will never be converted to, you know, laptop users on a daily basis, but they all have phones and they're all getting smartphones. And how as a brand do we insert, you know, all of the great strategies and content we have in place into a mobile environment? For me, that's really very exciting. Are you going to buy the iPad too? Yes. <laughs> Is that you think there's a, a new wave behind the iPad too? Speaking. Um, you know, I think the concept of having a camera on it is, is, is a fascinating tool in terms of, you know, I was thinking last night of like crazy ideas about like how can you create online consultation applications and you know just the the B two B business of like talking to a your stylist on, on an application. Like, I don't, I don't know the answers, but yeah, I think the iPad is, I was skeptical about the release of the original iPad and then I got one and I totally love the iPad. And you got it. Well, the, uh, bringing up the image, you got the whole notion of video and, and in a, in a beauty business, there's obviously a lot to be done with image and video. All right. I just, I have a last question for you, which regards, um, Rachel's, uh, key insights on uh, which sites that does Rachel follow, to uh, stay up up to snuff with what's going on. What are your favorite sites you go to in the morning? Um, you know, I love uh, Mashable. I've been reading that for a, while, a long time. I read TechCrunch. You know, I look at AdAge. Um, I also do a lot of online shopping myself. It's always interesting to see what my own user experience is in terms of how I purchase online. You know, Facebook is really, for me, like my bread and butter, my digital lifestyle. It's like I don't even get email anymore on regular, uh, on like AOL or Gmail. All my communication mostly happens on Facebook. I like to provoke uh, in certain of my classes and say that, you know, having an email is like being a dinosaur. Of course, for most people, that's not the case, but maybe that will be the future. Uh, Rachel, I um, I really dig having you online. It's wonderful to have this little chance to chat with you. Hopefully, this will be the beginning of a several. I, I know you're an extremely busy woman, uh, but for those of you who would like to uh, follow you, get to uh, reach you, what can you suggest? I'm on LinkedIn. Rachel LinkedIn Weiss and LinkedIn. Place to file me mm-hmm. under Rachel Weiss L'Oreal. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a big tweeter, but I have a I, my Twitter site is NYC Babylon. And uh, and why are you not a big tweeter? I'm not, I, I, you know, for me, Twitter for me is it, it's so funny. Like I love to distribute content, but 140 characters doesn't give me the. Uh, the bandwidth of exactly all what I really like to say. I'm a bit verbose. <laughs> but you've been extremely succinct in this interview. I really appreciate that. Rachel, um, any, any parting words for advice for people who want to success in digital, in digital media? You can't be intellectual about it. It's not an academic exercise. You have to play with it. Just do it. Beautiful. Do it. Play with it yourself. Make your own podcast, blog. Get on Facebook, talk to friends. Like you can't understand it unless you're, you're, you're you get a little bit messy with it. All right. Well, listen. Here's to being messy. I uh, we're going to keep following what you're up to, Rachel. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Minter. So thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Radio Show. You'll find the show notes on themindset.com, where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter. 
If you like this show and speak French, you can find my other French language interviews on minterdial.fr. In the meantime, please come join the conversation at The Mindset, that's with a Y, where branding gets personal, or catch me on Twitter at mdial, M-D-I-A-L. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please do tweet it out and pass it on to a friend. Happy trails. In the arms of a woman. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.